0: Hey everyone, Jeremy here. Unfortunately, we don't have a new episode of Leaving a Legacy this week. Uh, We just could not get our schedules to line up to get a good time to record. But we don't want to leave you guys high and dry, so we decided to root around in the vault and pick a classic from about two years ago uh bringing you a interview we did with the one and only ew landon and also the origin of the two chains meme so if you've been wondering where the two chains meme came from look no further it is this very episode episode 222 way back from January of 2019. Hope you guys enjoy this little trip down memory lane.
1: Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. Magic is power. Uh, Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me, What's up, Jerry?
0: Oh, not much, Pat. Just, you know, recording multiple podcasts because some of us can't be bothered to show up to the first one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry that you're recording at 10 p.m. on a Saturday night. Some of us have to work. i gave up a night of partying i could have been partying <laughs> who
0: who made the greater sacrifice
1: <laughs> oh for sure you for sure you uh i i was uh disappointed i was able i was unable to make it on with a. Uh... Mr. E.W. Landon, uh, but that went well, you said? Yeah, it uh, went well. It'll be coming before this, after this? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, but the reason why I wanted to record just a quick segment tonight, probably just 15, 20 minutes, uh, we both got a chance to go down to Gaming Etc. on Friday and play some Paper Magic, and that's right, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I got out to a store and played an f and uh, I think the last time I played Paper Magic, I literally had to unsleeve my Gitaxium probes. <laughs>
0: I'm not joking. I'm not
1: joking. Uh, so I think the last time I played Legacy in paper was in February when uh, we both day twoed uh, the Worcester Open uh, when I didn't want to play. Um, <laughs> that was the last time I played Paper Legacy. Uh, I had a really good time on Friday night. Etsy's always a great a great place to play anyway, uh, but it felt, it felt extra fun on Friday, so that was great.
0: Yep. Ian also joined us from the Dead Format um there were lots of tom
1: bitched out like a little bitch yep pretty much uh dj dj was there there was a bunch of cool people there for sure yeah
0: definitely i mean it's always a good crowd at gaming etc so i'm always always happy to go there i mean i see them more often than you pat so (laughs)
1: oh for sure for (laughs) sure uh yeah i was i was amped to see ian i'll go over my tournament real quick because it was a not super noteworthy um i actually ended up sleeving up uh roland chang's uh 75 from the uh, Worcester Classic. Oh, is that uh, what his, you did? Yeah, yeah. I, I literally just copied his his seventy five from um, the from the Worcester Classic. Uh, so I was playing Grixis Delver, um, and it's a list I was I, I really like Young Pyromancer, and I don't ever get to play that card. And I I mean I had my risk factors. I was going to play Blue Red, and I thought, man, like let's how can I make this evening the most difficult for myself? Is to <laughs> completely have to change over my deck. I had to like i had to get all my pieces it was it was it took me like an hour to find my second flusher storm it was a whole thing um but it, anyways got the deck together minus minus an underground sea i think i ran an extra island um in, in retrospect i'm just gonna buy another underground sea because uh, i'd like to have the third black source in there i think even like up to four underground seas like he had said in the cast is probably probably correct um but thankfully i never got wasted out of any particular color uh Outside of one game against Ian, I think. But anyway, uh, the, deck, the deck felt good. Uh, felt like um, there was a lot of decisions to make. And it was very different from the normal tempo strategy I'm used to playing. So that was really cool. And like I got to play Wasteland. And that's a card I don't ever really get to play. And I enjoy playing Wasteland. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I ended up going two and two. Nothing really crazy. I played Ian, of course, in round one. He was on his uh, Noble Rug uh, Delver list. Um, he beat me in two games I felt like uh the game game one he just like crushed me I can't remember exactly what happened I think he just resolved uh, uh, he like after like a few uh, counter battles he resolved a delver and I just never got a chance to get to to take care of the delver and get get after him after that um and then I think I brought in like two power blasts and a k command and took out um, uh, the two two of the stifles and a spell pierce in game two and game two was a little closer. Um, I think he, he ended up beating me in game two, but it was a much closer. We had it both into the Model six. Um, I was in the play on the play for, for the game one and game two. Um, again, nothing like, I can't remember anything really specific. I, I know that there was one point where uh, I'm trying to remember, like I, I could have played out a young pyromancer, like a turn earlier and it might've, have, might've have helped me significantly. Um, but, uh, he had hooting mandrels and I, I've, I've actually just straight up forgot that hooting mandrels has trample. And so, like, I, I ended up landing a young pyromancer and then making a token and then blocking with the token and thinking, like, I'll, I was able to chump for a turn and maybe buy myself an extra draw step. And he's like, oh, no, you're just dead because it tramples over. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. That's that's how that works. That's So, so I died that way. <laughs> um, but we, we had uh, two good games. It was really interesting. I played against a uh, merfolk deck in round two, which, like, the merfolk matchup uh, is got to be, like, fairly difficult. Um, so uh, the kid's name was Dom. He was on merfolk. Uh, he beat me in game one and he, I I had him, I had him down to like, I think he was at like 14, but he ended up landing like a a Lord of Atlantis and then, and then copied it with a phantasmal image. So all of his creatures got Island Walk and plus two, plus two. And so it was, there was like literally nothing I could do at that point. Um, I won game two because he ended up mulling to three and couldn't keep the three. So he said, let's just go to game three. Um, he had like drawn like all lands and then no lands and then no lands again. So, uh, and then game three, um, I ended up uh, being able to really go off with young pyromancer. ended up Ended up finishing with uh, a young pyromancer and nine tokens, um, and uh, that was that made short work of him pretty, pretty, uh, pretty easily um round three i played against a bant spirits deck jerry have you seen this in legacy before uh
0: not in legacy i know it's been tearing (laughs) it up in modern
1: but that's crazy yeah yeah so he poured it over into legacy uh he was really excited to play brainstorm and stuff um so it was a really cool match it ended up going to i want to say it went to let me think it went to it went to three games actually yeah it went to three games um so game one uh, so like, one of the problems I had with the deck um, was that I, I don't think I was mulliganing aggressively enough. Um, I like I kept a couple like five land hands and like ponders, and which just like is not is not going to be ideal for that deck. Um, so I I've learned to be a little bit more aggressive with my mulligans as the tournament went on because I felt like I was very threat light, and that's something that I'll talk about after we're done. Just recapping the tournament because I felt like it was a little threat light, so. Anyway, game one he he just kind of rolled over me with a He has like a bunch of spirit. I can't remember half the spirits he played, but they were just all silly uh, spell quellers and things like that. Um, very effective. Like when you spell queller a spell on the stack, and I don't get that spell and have to try to kill the spell queller to get it back. It's very interesting. Um, so he beat me game one, and I beat him game two, and then uh, which was well, there was a really interesting interaction in game two where and I. Uh, I'm I'm terrible at recalling tournaments, but I had to force a brainstorm that ended up locking me locking me the game there. I think I ended up with a, a bunch of Pyromancer tokens again in that game. Um like that that card, like Young Pyromancer, is is good in so many so many spots. It's just so bad. I feel like it's so bad against Miracles that it, it's just like it, if you're going to be playing a very heavy Miracles meta, like it's just not not as great. So, um, and then in game three, he he beat me. He like. He ended up like uh having a, like two spell quellers for two of my two of my pieces of interaction to, to remove his creatures. And I think he also like was able to land two stoneforge mystics and Sword of Fire and Ice made short work of that of that game. And then in round four, I was actually playing against I didn't catch the kid's name. Uh, we were playing the uh playing the uh uh the mirror match. Um and uh he I took him down in game one um, and then game two he had a uh, I guess he had a trade going on and he, uh, but yeah, in the loser's bracket, you know i'm not I'm not really playing for uh you're not playing for much there. so
0: you know you know you know you're in the loser's bracket when your opponent would rather trade than
1: play you. <laughs> uh, anyway, um we uh so I ended up going two and two, um my biggest things with the deck were, man, I just did not like the two stifle in the main. I just felt like, it was a dead card in almost every game that I played, I don't think I ever really—I never even got to cast the card, and I just felt like I was trying to shuffle it away more often than it was uh, worth having.
0: I feel like, I feel like that's a sign you're playing the card wrong.
1: <laughs> it's certainly possible. I just never felt like it, there was a, a point where it was relevant. Um, a braid was excellent. Uh, it, it, it was able to destroy a, um destroy a vial for me. I think I blew up a chalice with it as well. Like it feels really good for them to like turn one chalice and you just and like on your turn two you just blow up their chalice and like they've spent a car you know it just it just feels really good um when they're especially if they're leaning on a hand that's like well it's really slow but if i land chalice for one it's going to buy me a lot of time and then all of a sudden the chalice has not bought them any time at all um that's re- that's really cool um but yeah i think and i was talking to Lawrence on this as well cuz he's been messing around with Grixis Delver as well and he has uh, jammed some additional threats in place of the stifles, so I, I think I'd be up. To, I'd be up for going up to like maybe three true names, or maybe four young pyromancers, um, or even like a second Snapcaster Mage. I'm not really sure, um, but I did get a chance to actually play Snapcaster Mage in Legacy and Snapcaster back with a lightning bolt, which was fun. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that was my tournament. Again, nothing nothing super exciting, but I thought it was noteworthy that I actually went out and played Legacy. I had something to say about the <laughs> format, so I know that's, it seems to be very few and far between lately, so I wanted to just bring that up. But Jerry, you had a much more uh, productive uh, tournament. Uh, of course, ye- running around, yelling out your, your signature rap. Uh, two chains right, yeah. Jerry is walking around I just want to let everyone know I, I talked about this in the, in the Patreon discord today but Jerry was walking around with two, two chains of Mephistopheles and top loaders in his jacket pocket just like casually walking around with $1,200 worth of cards in his pocket I just for really the wanted to value. have
0: yeah, it was exactly for the meme value. I just loved whipping them out and just screaming two chains
1: whenever I, I made an amazing I, play. When you when you had said it too many times, I took them and threw them in the trash.
0: Yeah, you actually threw away twelve hundred dollars <laughs> of cardboard. Felt good. He ripped them out of my hands. I'm sending you a damage assessment.
1: <laughs> it felt real good. It felt real good. So, just
0: slam dunked them into the trash. So J- Jerry,
1: tell us how you did with uh, death and taxes on Friday.
0: With death and taxes? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um well, it's not much of a term report i mean i just remember shuffling up for round one and then my vision going red and then i was signing the match slip into in, in uh round four
1: bodies scattered around covered in blood <laughs> yeah
0: i had a uh vigo Mordensen moment <laughs> uh, but no i sleeved up uh well not sleeved up i brought a uh, cunning wish Omnitel uh to the tournament just to uh i just wanted to have some fun i've been playing all sorts of different decks on magic online and haven't gone back to my combo roots in a bit so i just wanted to bring that out Mm -hmm. plus i mean if you have a foil deck you you gotta you gotta let that baby shine (laughs) yeah gotta let it see the sun gotta let that sun glint off its its holographic foil (laughs) um but yeah so first round there was actually a group of like four guys down from new hampshire where i think they like played back in the day, and they were just getting back into it. And he was playing a uh, like mono blue. I think it was the Ninja Fairy variant. I didn't really see much of it. He got he got mana screwed in both game and game one and two. So I just kind of ran over him before I got to see much of his deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was a super nice guy, and it's always cool to see people coming back into the format who have taken a break uh, and you know come making their way back to F and M's. Um round two I actually played against Ian
1: oh, uh, nice. on his uh bant list. After he after uh, he smoked me in two games.
0: <laughs> yep, after he smoked you. It was uh me and Ian and I ended up uh taking him down. Um I just had the right counter spells at the right time and I was able to to force the combo was, through on him He
1: was on bant, correct?
0: Yeah, he was on yeah. like Bant, his Bant Delver, okay. Hooting I don't know if he's running Delver, but like Hooting Mandrills, definitely oh yeah, there is Delver. Delvers, definitely has Delver, oh, yeah. I,
1: I might have misspoken and called it rug. Delver, I think I wrote down rug Delver, but uh, I think I think you're right, I think it is Bant.
0: Yeah, so, because Noble Hierarchs, right. Delvers, and Hooting Mandrills, yep. and uh, my hand just matched
1: up better than him, but mm-hmm.
0: afterwards, we played some old school. Yeah, so. that was awesome,
1: <laughs> you were playing <laughs> with my- like legitimate, like like actual factual power, and I was very jealous. <laughs>
0: yeah so i drew my opening hand i'm like oh i guess this is a keeper and i just go i win the die roll so i just go like Caracas, mox pearl mox jet preacher <laughs> and then, like ian's eyes just bulge out of his head he's like are you serious I <laughs> like, oh, like oh is this a good hand <laughs> <laughs> he's like yes did i, did I yes. do old school
1: did i old school
0: <laughs> did i old school well he's like yes yes you did <laughs> Um, but then I was immediately punished. He like he missed his second land drop, so I strip mined his land. So I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna get him, and I'm immediately punished. And he top decks Library of Alexandria.
1: Oh, that card is <laughs> he, sick, man. He plays that I, I've only played that card. I've only seen. I've only played that card once. That was with you in draft, in like a cube draft. And then I saw him play against you, and I'm like, God, that's a busted card.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why people consider it the power ten with library. Mm. Um, but yeah, so he does it. I'm like, oh, I'll just draw another strip mine. He's like, nah, they're restricted. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so he, his library of Alexandria ended up clawing victory for him. Mm. Cause I just, you can't keep up with library of Alexandria's card advantage. Yeah, it's, 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 just, a- it's just too much. But I got to play old school, and it was a ton of fun. Um, maybe if I have another like $10,000 to flush down a toilet, I'll, I'll pour it into an old school deck instead. <laughs> maybe I'll sn- sell Sneak and Show and trade it into an old school deck. You would, that actually, never.
1: You would never. I might. I
0: might. <laughs> old school was a ton of fun man
1: yeah i could well so we were talking about uh middle school as a format and i think i might put together a middle school deck because they're extremely affordable and it's it's it seems like a the problem is finding
0: people to play with though that's always the issue with these like crazy formats like old school has that following already so you can just jump on the bandwagon yeah i
1: just like i just don't feel comfortable spending like that much money on on a straight casual deck to like i don't know like it's (sighs) I, I consider yeah. Legacy almost a casual format, but I just don't think I can invest in a, an additional casual format. Maybe that's what I should say. Yeah.
0: I mean, it is beautiful just mm-hmm. looking at all the cards <sighs> on the
1: battlefield. Dude, it, it was felt, so it cool to see you with all that. I, like, I didn't realize how nostalgic I get for that art, man, but it. And I always say that I don't, but I think in my heart, I really like, I just see it and I'm like, oh, it's so fucking cool. I, ta-
0: I talk about it with Eric uh, on, on the episode I did with him that's either before or after this episode.
1: <laughs> um,
0: where he's just like, I didn't even play during that time and I still felt nostalgia. Yeah. Like, I didn't play during alpha and beta, but like, I felt
1: it. Yeah, it's cool, man. It's really cool. So I, I totally see where Ian's coming from. And like, the play pattern is interesting. It's in the fact that it's yes. just different, it's not as fast. Um, well, it feels it feels
0: like it feels like uh, s- like sealed on steroids. Basically, is how interesting. it feels. Yeah, because you're you're playing with like five mana four fours. Yeah, and it's it's okay. Yeah, it's like so it fe- it has and a very nice like, sealed play style. <laughs> right, <laughs> oh, you almost got out of
1: Lord of the Pit. I was so excited for that to happen. It I never know.
0: Happened, yeah, I couldn't find my Lord of the Pit.
1: But like thrall but, uh, tokens and fallen angels is a pretty cool uh, interaction there.
0: Yeah, thrall tokens and fallen angels, um, and I ended up getting mana screwed despite getting a like
1: double mock start. Yeah. And I couldn't get to five mana for a while. Yeah, which is wild, right? You don't think that would happen, but it does. Right,
0: but yeah, that's that's the name of it. So that was that was super fun. I'd, I'd really like to play some more old school in the future because yeah. I had a blast with that. Yeah, I, he, he
1: keeps he keeps inviting me up to raps. for uh, for they have old school on like every Saturday or every other Saturday, or whatever. And uh, I'm just I work so often on Saturdays that it's not likely for me to get up there but I, i'm going to take him up one of these weeks because i'm really really interested in that well, in that format
0: he said uh we have a report on adrian good old adrian for those wondering uh how he's doing he apparently was playing old school this yeah saturday. you
1: play i think you played the deck that he that he played on, uh, yeah. on saturday
0: the deck i was using was the deck ian put together for adrian to play old school with Sick. So. and
1: and what was adrian's uh verdict on the on the format do you know
0: <laughs> i haven't talked to him since then uh, okay. but you know we'll have to, we'll have to get uh, uh boots on the ground and find out what adrian yeah. thinks
1: <laughs> we'll just show up to his house with recording Yeah, just knock on his door like, hey, with man. a microphone hey man Let's fucking spin it up bro
0: can we see your bathroom <laughs>
1: awesome well anyway it was it was great i um sadly didn't get a chance to say hi to michelle she was in and out of the store but um i i really enjoyed myself and uh real quick shout out to you for registering for the to, tournament i don't get
0: to finish my report. oh before. i'm Jeez. sorry i'm sorry all right my
1: bad. <laughs> i thought I, wow I, you know you know what i'm sorry you went to old school and i just automatically assumed that was the but that's only round two continue uh, yeah i'm sorry i mean
0: my my last two so <laughs> my next round I, I played against uh the antiquities war deck oh, oh
1: that that deck crushed me once online man it comes it can bang out of nowhere sometimes
0: it looks like a lot of fun the thing is uh sneak and show just rolls over all of these chalice decks mm-hmm. like sneak and Show just, or omni just doesn't really care because all our money cards are three and four drops right so like, oh, you shut off my brainstorms? I'll just use them to pitch to my force of wills. And that's what I did. Like, he goes, turn one chalice, uh, chalice of the void. I'm like, okay. Then he tries to play Antiquities War, and I just force it. Yep. And then I just combo off on his face. <laughs> yeah.
1: So. Yeah. And it, se- it seems like a little bit... Um I think if you know, like the, when he when he when I got beat by by that deck, I didn't know what it was doing until it was way too late. I had no idea what was going on, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, it seems like uh, yeah, for sure. Like if you're on the Chalice Plan against Sneak and Show, it feels like you're already a little behind there. Yeah,
0: so I was able to take that down pretty quickly, and then in the finals in the undefeated bracket, I played against a friend, Oren, uh, who is usually on Omnitel himself, mm-hmm. but he was actually playing Blue White Delver. Oh, interesting. And let me tell you, Pat, know uh, it's something you don't expect when your opponent goes, turn one ponder, turn two planes, and then they daze your play. <laughs> you, you think he's on <laughs> miracles, right? Right. Or, or like Stoneblade. like sure. not, a da- not a daze deck. Right, right.
1: <laughs> interesting and
0: then like he also wastelands like you don't really see wastelands and tundras that often right that is that is not a combination that you see interesting um so we actually ended up splitting because it was the uh boo, the final round. boo. man max, I- Here comes max ev boo. Big man bag it's su- of boo. It's, it sucks getting that max ev man no that's <laughs> not
1: max ev max ev is winning the fuck listen I want listen. We have that's we not have how young EV works. And impressionable. That's not how EV works. We have works. young and impr- no listen because EV also comes with personal pride that is factored in, and splitting is negative. <laughs> what is pride. the
0: EV of personal pride? What is the EV? It's of higher personal than pride? money,
1: Jerry. It's higher than money. Okay. Is it higher than store credit? Yes, even higher than store credit. Even at an establishment <laughs> as fine as gaming, etc. I want people to know. I want people to know because we have young, impressionable youths who listen to this podcast. <laughs> you never split. You never concede. You don't ever cut up a top eight, you kill them all, and you let God sort out the bodies. Period. Period. (laughs) Jerry, please continue how you're a sellout.
0: So I sold out and I (laughs) split. (laughs) (laughs) Which ended up being for the better, because Orange deck took me down, just uh, having a fast threat. Uh, I mean, we traded, like, game one he took down. Game two I got a, it was either a Besage or a Defense Grid in play, Mm -hmm. and... Like once one of those it gets in play, um, and you untap with it, you pretty much can win. Yep. Um, and then game three, he just had the god hand of like a threat, and then three Force of Will with three blue cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I wasn't really coming back from that, but luckily I split and uh, was able to get an increased prize payout because
1: <laughs> I made the right decision by splitting. Well, you still <laughs> lost because you don't have any personal. You don't have respect for yourself, man.
0: I mean, I didn't have it before that match, though. So, like, you can't lose something you never had.
1: Touche, <laughs> touche. So you you split you split uh you split the top table. So you walked out of there with some store credit. Uh, oh yeah, and uh, of course, like I said, uh, am I am I
0: am I two chains? Yeah, and your two
1: chains. Yeah, you walked in with two chains. You left with two, <laughs> two chains. Um, uh, no,
0: I, I picked up my two chains there. Oh.
1: Um, uh, just So, anyway, um, I know where we, we. this is about the time we wanted to go to tonight, but just real quickly, before we get out of here, um, I, I'm sure you you probably did scoops on your end of the episode, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah so. so I already got scoops right, on mine. I'm going to do my, do my scoops, scoops now. I'm just going to scoop in you, Jerry, for actually registering Aww. me for the tournament. I really appreciate it. And I owe you $10. I realized that just now, actually, um, because... Uh, I was feeling
0: generous. I bought I bought Ian a pizza. <laughs> I bought your tournament I, I did still slice your
1: pizza, too. I mean, it wasn't good. But it was I was hungry, so it was, it was good. chicken bacon ranch. Yeah. chicken bacon ranch pizza. Yeah, I don't like any of those things in pizza. Well, I, I like chicken on pizza, but not. Bacon I didn't realize. I didn't realize
0: ranch, ranch was uh, ranch was such a controversial topic. Uh, ranch is ranch
1: disgusting. But thankfully, there wasn't really any ranch on it, so uh, it, it saved. Yeah, it saved they that. lied. It was. It
0: was morally. Like, it was mostly just chicken and bacon. Yeah, and pizza. which like
1: I don't even think bacon. Bacon is one of the most overrated foods. Like people, I,
0: I actually agree with you there, Pat. People, I agree. people
1: are like so up on bacon, and it's it's honestly just people like to talk about bacon because i don't know i don't know what it is i mean everyone plus, knows
0: sausage is better than bacon
1: oh like yeah not close like sausage is like sausage is like the meat that bacon is plus a bunch of other good stuff yeah it's like why i don't know yeah it's crazy um <laughs> uh but yeah so i wanted to scoop you in uh because it took me it takes me about an hour to get to etsy and uh my, by the time my dad got here and i got him settled with the boys and stuff and had the the night planned out for them i i, I literally walked into the and in, it like Ten of seven, and the tournament usually fires off around seven, seven, ten. So, uh, shout out to you, and then shout out to Ian for uh, putting together. I had like a list of cards I needed for Grixis, the Grixis Delver list, so I sent him a list of cards, and they they got them all set up for me uh, behind the counter. I got them all set up and sleeved in time to play the tournament. So, if it wasn't for Ian, I would have showed up with actually not enough cards to play in the, in the tournament. So, uh, big scoop into him, into him as well. Um, and of course, poops on uh, Tom for not showing up. Like the day that I show up to a tournament and Tom's not there is like a, is a sad day for me.
0: <laughs> Hell is frozen over. Yeah. Uh, also, we talked to Michelle. I mentioned this on uh, the cast with Eric. Oh, too, right. But, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Plug that. Plug we that. set the
0: date April sixth. Next Legacy Ooh, Open. April sixth. Number three. April sixth. Mark your calendars.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be a good time. Um, I don't know. I don't know who's doing coverage. I'm uh, obviously you and I will be there, Jerry. I don't know if we're getting a third in there again. Um, uh, Wilson, is he for sure going to be there? I've, like we haven't got a chance to really talk too much about it. So.
0: Um, I don't know if we have verified the date with him yet, but I mean he's definitely all for coming up Sick. and doing coverage again. Yeah. Um, we'll probably get Brian Cook in the in the booth
1: again. Boo. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can get uh, Ross, yeah. Ross McGeean to uh, show up again and see if we can take down the tournament again.
0: Uh Ross Ross definitely has to come back. He has to defend his champion. He got to put a ba- got to put a bounty on his yeah. head.
1: Yeah, he's gonna have to give away a foil mission briefing. <laughs> we'll, well we'll come up with a better bounty than that okay four foil mission <laughs> briefings
0: yeah uh we'll probably we'll probably do some charity events too so if anyone wants to donate to a charity we'll we'll make try and make it a charity drive as well um haven't really figured out what we want to do but if you are interested in helping make the event as best as it can be uh, feel free to get at us yeah,
1: april's right around the corner so it'll be a good time of course um i think we pretty much always hit that 2k window i really want to get it up to a 5k really really do so yeah. i'm hoping we get good turnout at this one
0: definitely come on oh show
1: all right awesome all right um well let's get out of here and uh hopefully this is going to lead into the episode with you and uh, mr landon
0: uh it's all up to justin pat you can't make those decisions i'm giving executive authority to, to justin that's true
1: justin is our audio tech our sound engineer and uh, really, like really, the dictator of our of our reality, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's gone from legal counsel to kind of like uh, Thanos. Thanos
1: at the end of If Any Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's actually he's just literally Thanos. Please don't if you if if you snap the us our reality, like dust Jerry. Don't dust me, please. I have something. It's to, a 50-50 shot,
0: Pat. It could be either. Yeah, or. but I feel <laughs> like
1: he has control over that, and I feel like I have more to live for than you do. Like, let's I don't make this split a poll. Top, let's top make, fours. You do.
0: Let's let's make this a poll. If uh if Thanos snapped his finger, which which one of us would get would get dusted? Me or Pat? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. <laughs> Alright. Uh I hope everyone has a great week. Uh get out there, play some fucking magic, man. And no splits. No <laughs> fucking splits. Yo, if you like if you like splits, vote vote for me to not get dusted. And if you don't like splits Because you're a goddamn savage. Vote for me. (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: Uh, (laughs) Let's get into this. Let's get into the actual episode. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another awesome episode of Leaving a Legacy. I'm your host, Jerry. Unfortunately, Pat is not with us tonight because we have a super special guest tonight, but they are in a very different time zone and it did not line up with Pat's work schedule. So he unfortunately could not make it, but it's okay because we have a super awesome guest, the one and only Eric Landon. How's it going?
2: Hey Jerry, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for, uh, for working with my, my schedule a little bit. Yeah, We're definitely. Like well, so... opposite time schedules, basically. <laughs>
0: right right now it is saturday night at 10 p.m for me and it is sunday morning at 10 a.m for yep, you <laughs> so correct. Uh, how how's the future how is the future um,
2: let's see i've only been outside so far today for about 10 minutes to go find some coffee but it looks all right <laughs> <laughs> <That> <laughs> everything t- seems to be still uh you know functioning out there that's yeah.
0: good we're gonna have some nice weather tomorrow yeah <laughs> that's good that's good i'm glad i'm glad uh so Eric you're probably better known by your moto handle uh you <laughs> Landon uh boss of uh Legacy needs near and far Yes you Landon
2: <laughs> EW it's it's my initials it's actually yes. like my email address <laughs> and everything I've been using for a long time but uh People, people call me you, Landon.
0: <laughs> it's it's only you could tell, like, how long people have been playing Modo based on their screen name, because it's like, most, it's like, oh, we just used our email addresses to sign up with, so that's their like, yeah. screen names, like, yeah. I'm the exact same way. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, tell tell everyone a little bit about yourself. How'd you get uh, introduced to Magic?
2: Oh, Magic. So, um, I actually started playing Magic in, like, I guess it would probably be, like, 1996 or something like that when I was a little kid. Uh... Played in, like, daycare. I had a daycare worker who brought magic cards and taught us how to play, and we started playing magic. Uh, obviously, back then it was quite different.
0: Um, I'm surprised that daycare worker didn't get fired for bringing in an addictive substance. Yeah, seriously. All the she also brought in
2: it. video games and <laughs> stuff, too. Anyway. Um, yeah, like, I remember playing with some of the older cards, some, like, Plague Rats, I think, and stuff like that. And some, I mean, you know, my memory's a little bit... Big, but when I see the old cards, I remember them. There was like I had like one Sarah Avenger or no Sarah uh, a- Avatar. Is that wait? What did she go? No.
0: Oh yeah, the one where its power and toughness is no a no good no no the the, like- the,
2: uh, the one that's now like an uncommon. It's a four four flyer. Oh, I'm really bad. At Sarah names. Angel. Sarah Angel. Yes, Sarah <laughs> Angel. I had like one Sarah Angel, and that was like a really expensive card at the time, probably like eight dollars or ten dollars or something like that. And a Sangier Vampire, right. and that was like those were the two best cards in my deck.
0: Back when uh, tropical islands were like five bucks.
2: Yeah, I see. I wouldn't even remember if I had those cards because they didn't really mean anything to me back then.
0: <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's true. Uh, the things the things we take advantage of.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I started back then. I played like all the way through high school, not all the way through high school, but until high school, and then uh, and then when Mirrodin came out, I. Opened a box of Mirrodin. That was probably the first box I opened. I think I got it as like a birthday present or something like that. And then I promptly sold all of my Magic cards for about $300 and bought a PlayStation 2.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Good investment. Yeah. Good investment.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So I sold my entire collection, which I have no idea now what was in it. But I'm sure it was worth quite a bit compared to like the $300 I got for it. Oh, actually, you know what I did is I sold the whole Magic collection. I bought a Black Lotus... I bought. I, I sold my entire Magic collection. I bought a Black Lotus on eBay for $500. Now I'm remembering. And I sold it for $550, and then I bought a PlayStation 2.
0: <laughs> ah, great investment. You made a 10, 10% gain. That's great. Yeah,
2: it was great. <laughs> and I got to own a Black Lotus for about, you know, a couple of days.
0: It was cool. Uh, not many people can say that, so that's that's something. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then, uh, so I quit, and then, uh, and, then, and then now it was like, so it was when El, Eldrazi came out, Rise of Eldrazi came out. A friend of mine was like, hey man, like one of my friends from when I was younger and we played, was like, hey man, uh, we should buy some magic cards and play them in a bar. So we bought like um, a couple of starter decks
0: and were you were you trying to pick up women was this was this the goal of just buying a bunch of magic cards and playing in a yeah we were
2: totally (laughs) trying to pick up women with our magic cards no it was just like for nostalgia it was just like kind of as a joke you know yeah and then uh we kind of like a little bit got into it we were like adults now we could like buy boxes of magic cards you know which which as a kid you just like really couldn't so it was like fun to Mm -hmm. open the packs and stuff and buy boxes and we got a little bit into it and we started. When we played like a couple FMs, we did a few drafts and just like lost everything. But it was pretty fun. And then, and then I just like, I don't know, I started getting more into it than them. And I talked to another friend who played when he was young, when, when we were younger. And he was like, uh, Oh, yeah, I actually never quit playing Magic. <laughs> I just didn't tell you guys about it. <laughs> that's great. I've been playing on Magic online for years. And I was like, What? <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's how I got back into it. And then, uh, um, I moved to Korea uh, it, when Innistrad came out and I was playing a bit of standard and draft and like getting a little bit better to the point where I could like, you know, 2-1 or 3-0 it, at f
0: Why did you, that's a pretty big change, just all of picking up and moving to another country.
2: Yeah, I mean, that. that's just like after college, I didn't really know what I was doing and I liked, I've always liked traveling, so I just kind of found a... A program abroad where I could go abroad for a year and I went to Spain for a year and taught there for a year and then uh and then that's just kind of how it all started and after that you know I looked for the next place and and I moved to that was Korea and I started teaching in Korea and ended up staying there for a really long time ended up eventually deciding that this was like career path for me and getting a master's in teaching and oh yeah that's why I went abroad to teach (laughs) so ended up ended up deciding this was more of a career path than just like traveling for a year you know kind of thing so i got my master's and that's that's why i've been abroad uh for so long now because
0: it's kind of my career now (laughs) (laughs) longest study abroad program ever
1: (laughs) pretty much and uh, you
0: kind of you kind of took yeah and you kind of you kind of took magic with you a bit uh you i mean you're mostly known for your online play you know are you almost exclusively online, or do you make it out to the shops out there at all?
2: Well, when I went to Korea, I, was, I, I wasn't I was online yet. I hadn't played on Magic Online. I actually had a Mac, so I had never even been online. And then, uh, you know, like I said, I started playing a little bit more frequently, getting a little bit better, top-aided a couple of PTQs, um, that kind of thing, and uh, eventually bought into Magic Online with a friend. I split the, the cards with a friend, uh, bought into Magic Online, Um got into legacy around then i got i got into legacy because i was a bit lucky i was in korea during the time when korean foil cards were just like in a bubble like the price of the korean foils were insane so i was able to trade a lot of stuff that i got in korea for a lot of legacy stuff and that's kind of how i got into legacy and magic online um but yeah so i've been playing on magic online now for i don't know six or so years but i was never like the leader of the legacy. I was playing like in dailies and things like that, you know. Right. Uh, but it wasn't until I moved to to, to Thailand that that I started to uh, be at the top of the like leaderboard of legacy because I started to play a lot more. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes, I'm told that uh, you just you play more than anyone else. Like so, we had Michael Lewis on uh, a little while ago, Lewis CBR, mm-hmm. and he just marveled at just the amount that. Uh, and he he kind of laid it out for everyone. In order to be at the top of the leaderboard of of legacy, yes, you have to be good at Magic, but you also just have to put in a whole lot of time playing Magic.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> I know, like, if you if you only, I know plenty of people who are, are as good as me, but if they only play, like, uh, you know. One league a week or something, then of course they're not going to have that many trophies, you know, because I, I would say probably yeah. the be- the very best players if will probably get a trophy about 20% of the time, and that would be like the the highest that anybody would get. I would think.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, you could be like me and you could be bad and also only play about once a week and have zero trophies. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm okay with it though i'm okay with yeah. it i just play a bunch of random jank <laughs> yeah i think
2: people overvalue the trophies to be honest
0: um but you're really well known for uh reanimator how did you kind of fall into that play style
2: um okay so reanimator um i actually was usually i was i was a blue fair player for pretty much the whole time i played legacy uh, or at least most of the time I played Legacy, I only played Blue Fair decks like Delver and things like that, and uh, Bant, Stoneblade, were a couple of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had Reanimator, I had because I had a bunch of decks on, on Magic Online, and one of them was Reanimator. Uh, I guess the reason I first bought Reanimator was once, one day, when I was in Portland, Oregon, I just... I had seen um, a list by Clone109, I think it was, where he was playing, like, LED, and... Basically, it was a Tin Fins deck with LED and Dark Depths combo. So it was, like, a double combo deck. I mean, I I think he's still playing it, but now with, like, Living Wish and stuff. So anyway, I saw his, like, first iteration of that deck. It was playing, like, LED, Dark Depths, um... And Gristle brand you know, so it was like a Reanimator slash. Uh, or it was a, a, T- a Tin Fin's deck and a Dark devs deck, which I thought was like right. it was. It looked ridiculous the first time I saw it because it had uh, Laboratory Maniac in it, and so I was just like, "Man, this deck is wild!" And then I played it online, and I was like, "Man, this is actually pretty decent. It's fun too." Um, and then one day before going to a like Thursday Legacy night in Portland. I went to the magic shop and I was like, "I, I want to play this deck, but I'm not going to buy LEDs." Uh, so I was like in the magic shop and I bought I bought part of the deck, but instead of buying LEDs, I bought Lake of the Dead.
0: <laughs> oh, so that's how that innovation came about. <laughs> yes, I was just at
2: the magic shop and I was like, "Lake of the Dead. This card looks good. Like it makes a bunch of mana." <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so
2: I put this deck together about 10 minutes before the the legacy night and then I just like promptly 3-0 without losing a single game and I was like, "Dang, this is good." Like cuz like you know, game 1 yeah. you re rean- you go turn one dark ritual reanimate and your opponent's like, "Man, that that sucked," you know? And then game 2 You're- you go <laughs> they like thought sees you and your hand is like seven lands and they lose on turn 3. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're giving hope to fnm brewers everywhere no right so now. it was great so I, and then i played it online and
2: that's where the dark like i, I uh actually i think you guys did an episode about it but that, that's where the, the the reanimator depths that came from um yep yeah it was influenced by the tin fin steps from clone 109 and from that fnm that i went to uh and then i played it online and was like doing really well with it and i got bob huang to play it and he started doing really well with it um, and so then that's when I bought into Black Red Reanimator because it was only a few cards different. So that's why I bought Black Red Reanimator. Uh, and I thought the deck was garbage. <laughs> 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 For the longest time, I would just play it every once in a while because I wanted to play a fast league. And, like, it felt so hard. It felt like... I remember telling a friend, like, if they have one p- if they have a force of will and one piece of hate, I lose every single time. So I didn't like the deck at first, but I played it every once in a while. And then... Uh, And then about a year and a half ago, I had a break for a week where I had no work. And I said, I'm going to do an experiment. I'm going to see if I'm going to keep track of my win percentage with BlackRed Reanimator compared to my win percentage with with Delver. And I'm going to check how long the the leagues take and see which one can make me more tickets. (laughs)
0: and so <laughs> min- despite min maxing magic online yeah, for, the, for the value <laughs> exactly so despite
2: <laughs> thinking black red was garbage i sat down for a week and just jammed league after league with it and started to kind of learn how to play it better i noticed like there were certain things like like over sideboarding and things like that and just like learning how to beat the hate so and then after a week, I was like, "Man, this deck is actually really good," and I'm and I'm doing a lot better than I thought I would be doing with it. Uh, and then I've basically not really ever turned back since then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's been uh, the deck that you've been known for because you play, uh, you know, you you play so often on the leaderboard, uh, and usually with Reanimator. Yeah. Um. It it feels like your list have uh, sort of become the standard for Black Red Reanimator's and. Um, you know, I was even talking to a couple of my friends who are diehard Black Red Reanimator players, and they were pumped that you were coming on tonight, (laughs) because, um, you know, whenever, whenever you come out with, like, a sideboard guide, or, you know, make any statement about Black Red Reanimator, you know, they're on the edge of their seat, because they want that, that hot new tech. Awesome,
2: yeah. Yeah, I'm always trying to tune it here and there, like, I've I've always also kind of said, like, a lot of the time, sideboard tuning doesn't, like, matter that much, because a lot of the games, like, you don't even want that much sideboard, um, but, I mean, you're just, yeah, you're just trying to gain, like, little percentages here and there and trying to beat some of the harder cards to beat uh, with your, so.
0: Yeah, well, speaking of, of that, sideboarding for combo decks in general is very difficult because, like you're saying, over-sideboarding can be a huge detriment if you take too much of your action out for sideboard answers. Yeah. You can just find yourself losing to yourself by not drawing your combo pieces when you need them.
2: Yeah, that's why that's why Leyline of the Void is, like, one of the hardest sideboard cards for the deck to beat because I mean you, you basically can't function with it in play and so you basically have to ruin your deck <laughs> to answer it because uh, if you just play like a couple answers to it you're just going to lose because you can't beat it and so you got to put a bunch of answers into it because you're not playing you're not playing you know cantrips not really um, right and so that kind of just ruins your deck because you just don't have as many good cards in your deck That's, like, one of the harder cards
0: to beat. It is, it is. I mean, on the upside, the people who run Ley Lines in their sideboard are ruining their sideboards by running Ley Lines.
2: Yeah, especially if they're playing blue cards. I really, I like... (laughs) (laughs) If they're playing cantrips and Ley Line of the Void, I'm like, man, you know, you're going to be cantripping and you're going to find those Ley Line of the Voids as opposed to finding spells you can cast. You got Snapcasters in your deck. It's like, I mean, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I, I actually, so I actually think, like, cards like Ley Line of the Void and Chancellor of the Annex, and any card that, like, I was really surprised that they printed a new one with that with that Sphinx, where you reveal it before the game starts. I feel like those are terribly designed, because it just adds this, like, aspect of the game that's really awkward, you know? Like, oh, yeah, you're going first and but hold on a second, you know? Let me, uh, <laughs> let me
0: show <laughs> the you awkward, my hand. The awkward, hold on. <laughs> right. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Just wait a second. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs>
2: So I was really surprised they printed um, another one of those, because those, those cards feel like, like, I don't know, it's just a design thing that I, I just think is not good for gameplay,
0: really. Well, it's be, my problem with it is you reveal it, and then it's like, okay, it has this effect that we have to, I, I mean, I'm talking specifically with... Um, chancellor yeah. not so much ley lines but like chancellor it's like okay i reveal it and it goes back into my hands remember the first spell you cast is countered right like so many people have had their first spell cast just because they forgot about chancellor right like maybe they played around to turn one they untap and draw and play land for turn two and you know drop a two drop without thinking about it
2: <laughs> right or if the if the reanimator player reveals it and then they loot and then it's in their graveyard and then it's like you have to like remind them of the trigger by pointing to the is it the one in the graveyard i mean you just or you just say it 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 is a bit the whole thing is a bit awkward for sure yeah it's
0: like it's like this imaginary trigger that you have to remember with no visual indication of it uh you know in play yeah um but yeah yeah they are they are just kind of awkward and then the two ley lines that are are also like a
2: little bit overpowered for this card that cannot be interacted with on turn zero you know and they also just lead mm-hmm. to some really awkward like deck building and like mulligan decisions and things like that. I just I mean, yeah. I, I just wish they hadn't <laughs> printed any of these kind of cards. Right, right.
0: Um, but Black Red Reanimator, it takes advantage of Chancellor. Oh yeah, Black Red Reanimator Animator definitely it's...
2: uses Chancellor to a to a really broken extent. <laughs>
0: I'm trying to think of where Chancellor saw play before Black Red Reanimator. I don't think it did. Oh, maybe
2: it did in, like, like, uh, like, like Oops All Spells or Charbelcher. Yeah, Oops
0: All Spells. Yeah, but other than that, it it was not a very common card. It wasn't something that people were that familiar with. And And it really seems like Black... mm -hmm, Go ahead.
2: I was actually thinking, actually, Oops All Spells is probably newer than... I guess we'd have to look at when the the sets came out. I'm not sure. Reanimator's... Reanimator playing Chancellor goes back pretty far, like, I'm not sure, probably pretty shortly after it was printed, it started to being played in all of these combo decks. Yeah,
0: well, I, I feel Chancellor of the Annex is really the, the card that, um, you know, got Black Red Reanimator, uh, you know, where it is today, because, you know, when Deathrite Shaman came out, Blue Black Reanimator became basically unplayable, because Blue Black Reanimator is just, a, like, a turn slower, and it... It just doesn't uh, have the resilience that Bla- or the speed, really, that Black Red does. But so Black Red came about, and at first it was just kind of this funny budget deck, and then it started winning everything, and people were like, "Oh, I guess we have to take this deck seriously now." Yeah, and it complete completely surpa- uh, surpassed Blue Black Reanimator, and uh, like Chancellor of the Annex, you know, because you don't have those Force of Wills anymore. I think was real necessary for the deck success. Um, yeah,
2: yeah, I think it's actually in the in the end, it ended up being a much better deck than blue black reanimator i think it, it it's game plan is just a little bit more like you know try and deal with this kind of thing as opposed to kind of playing this you know basically a show-and-tell style game where you're, where you're kind of not super slow but a little bit slower with your combo and then you're just trying to use force of wills uh with your gristle brand instead you're, you're just you're just trying to with the, with blue black reanimator. You're more trying to just like play your entire deck,
0: <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> but I I actually think so. Chancellor definitely helps you resolve your stuff. But I think one of the biggest differences was that blue black reanimator didn't play uh, dark ritual. I mean, I I'm pretty sure like the pre yeah uh, black red reanimator blue black reanimator decks were not playing dark ritual, and that's the card along with Chancellor, obviously, that really makes the deck explosive and makes you use your mm-hmm. crystal brands to, like, a really strong effect. Yeah, definitely.
0: I mean, Blue-Black Reanimator players, I remember, would try it out. Um, you know, so I'm, I, I remember seeing a couple of Blue-Black Reanimator players trying out Liliana of the Veil, and I was just like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, I know it's a discard outlet, but it's, it's like what you said, Blue-Black Reanimator is this combo deck that, like, has split personality as a control deck sometimes. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I I see blue-black reanimator as being basically, its game plan is very much like show-and-tell but it has the weakness of using the graveyard, so that's why I think it's not as good as black-red reanimator, while black-red reanimator is trying to be faster and more explosive than show-and-tell and and then use its gristle brands completely differently than show-and-tell, which means like you're just trying to put a bunch of stuff into play that your opponent cannot beat.
0: Right. Whereas show and tell, sneak and show, really, Grizzlebrand's the linchpin. It's like the engine of the deck to keep you going and get that that finisher off, right? Um, or just protect.
2: Or it. just like, here's my thing, and now like my Grizzlebrand's gonna make it so that I draw uh, either Emeraldcoil, which finishes the game, or draw Force of Will, so that you can't beat
0: me. Yeah, I was actually so I played FNM and I played sneak and show the other night, and I got Grizzlebrand in play. And I like, drew my seven and I drew four force of wills off my seven cards. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> they're not doing anything for the rest of the game. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, and while black red reanimator, you want to draw your cards and then reanimate again, which sometimes is like a chancellor. Cause then that's like your counter spell or chancellor plus tide spout, which means like your opponent's never going to resolve anything
0: again. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's a terrible feel bad black red ramators it's uh, one of the sneaking shows really tough matchups because sometimes i show and tell them they put in a tide spout tyrant and then they just bounce all my stuff and i just gave them a turn one tide spout tyrant
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you gotta, gotta you gotta i don't know man you know jpa on uh magic online he, he seems to always have the read about when or when to show and tell against me or not <laughs>
0: That's because I'm pretty sure JPA's psychic. I, I believe he uh, attended Xavier School for uh, for mutants, and he, he can definitely read minds. yes yeah. Yes, you're right. He always has the read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of uh, reanimators' creature suite, uh, m- much more so than than sneak and show. Reanimators' creatures have changed a lot over the years um i remember when i played back in the day i was playing blue black reanimator before black red reanimator ever existed and you know we would run everything from like jingataxis to blazing archon Mm -hmm. to um imperium angel which is a like five green blue white i want to say for a five eight and it's if damage would be dealt to you redirect it to imperium angel instead yeah um sphinx of the steel wind was another one that we used to play back in the day and the creature suite has just evolved a lot over the years
2: yeah so i think the thing is is that when i when i first started playing black red reanimator and when a lot of people first start playing black red reanimator and when they go to entomb they go okay which creature is good here you know like so that's why there was all these different creatures in the deck because it's like okay is iona good here is as which which creature is good against their deck basically is what people would ask themselves and then they would they would tutor up that creature, and then they would just kind of plan to attack with it and see if their opponent can answer it, that kind of thing. Like, that's how the deck was usually played. Um, yeah. And then I learned that none of those creatures are the correct answer to get.
0: That <laughs> 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 you just need to get
2: Gristlebrand, and then they can't win. Like, most decks just cannot beat a Gristlebrand if you draw 14 cards with it. And, like, after that it doesn't really matter what you get. Like you can like I said, Tide Spout plus Chancellor with 14 cards in your hand not, beats every deck. <laughs> so you don't need like these <laughs> silver bullets. You just get Grizzlebrand and draw a bunch of cards and then and then you beat them with card advantage or by controlling the game right. with two other creatures, basically. So that's right. why I think I mean, you just you end up eventually they ended up getting cut. Like I, I ended up cutting any of those kinds of things. Because they're yep, pretty much exactly. never correct. Like, you don't want Blazing Archon against Eldrazi, because then they're just going to, you know, ping you to death or something like that.
0: Yeah. It really, I think, demonstrates the fundamental shift in Legacy over the years, where Legacy has gotten much more complex, and we've just gotten so many answers to everything, Right. that what you what used to be hard locks are far from hard locks now. Um, you know, it used to be, if you got a Blazing Archon in play, you know, the game was over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, or even something like Iona. Iona used to be lights out for the vast majority of the of the format. You know, a lot of the a lot of decks that were you know two colors couldn't deal with it, and even some of the three color decks. And Iona shut off shutting off a key color in the deck, yeah. just really made the deck useless. But now we just have so many different options being printed for removal, especially um that it's that these decks that used to just fold to these uh cards that that I would put in play just have ways around it.
2: Yeah, yeah, even even as recently as the last uh two sets ago. So like uh elves used to be like get elishnorn but not anymore because now they have trophy, you know, like if you just get elishnorn they can just trophy it and beat you. So again, you're still just getting brand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. And it's not just because of the power of Grizzlebrand. Like, yes, Grizzlebrand is a very powerful card. Anyone will laugh in your face if you say otherwise. Yeah. But it's also just the potential that Grizzlebrand represents. Yeah. Like, Grizzlebrand is not just a Grizzlebrand, Grizzlebrand is half your deck.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, so it's like instead of getting Elishnorn, you get Grizzlebrand and Elishnorn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh is that a lesson you feel you have to, you know, kind of teach people looking to start uh, Reanimator? Is.
2: I, I think it's mean, kind of like I think that it's always uh, especially if you've just started playing the deck you're always going to be tempted by the cards the creature that seems good against their deck but I think if you can draw seven cards you should always get you should always get crystal brand almost always right
0: yeah yeah. That said, I mean, yes, we're talking about what you should do in most cases, but it's magic. What makes the game great is there are loads of situations where uh, going against the rule of thumb is exactly what you need to do in order to win the game. Yeah, for sure. Um. So, uh, what any hot new tech you're testing out with uh the deck?
2: Um. No, not really. I'm just always trying to beat Leyland of the Void. So. <laughs> That's what most of my my sideboarding is about. I, I I've recently been uh, my last my last sideboard guide is pretty pretty close to what I've been playing recently. I've tried as many mm-hmm. as two Lake of the Dead's in the sideboard, but I don't think it really uh, helped me beat Leyline more than one does. One is very good. Two was was about the same. Um, but I'm also playing three Assassins trophies, which are which are. A few extra answers to leyline that also answer oh, other stuff.
0: I was unaware that you were running assassins trophies. That's that's nice. Um, any other anything else with a green splash?
2: Yeah, Reverend Silence is my is what I'm. Reverend Silence and assassins trophy are, are currently my answers to leyline decks, uh, and that's like I said, like most of my sideboarding is for leyline. So <laughs> everything else is basically just switching one for one. Like I'm also playing thought seizers in the sideboard. Um, and that's because in sideboard games, uh, you're a little less sure what you need to name with therapy, and you're less mm-hmm. likely to just target yourself, because there's going to be more hate cards in your opponent's hand, so just kind of going for it by targeting yourself is, is less like less common of a play. So I bring in thought seizes uh, over some therapies, or I add thought seizes for uh, matchups like like, Miracles, but other than that, like, yeah, like I'm like I said, like most of the sideboard cards are just the same as the main deck, and then I've got all these answers to Leyline of the Void,
0: right? So, really, what you're doing is you know, each card in your sideboard corresponds to a card in the main deck, like, it's almost like a one for one slot each time, whereas instead. You know, most other decks, when they sideboard, they'll, like, take out some cards that they don't think are good, and they'll bring in some cards that they don't think are bad, and those cards change matchup to matchup. Yeah. It seems like your sideboard plan is you're just fine-tuning the deck for the specific matchup. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, like you said, switching Cabal Therapies for Thoughtseize um, and, and such. Yeah, and that's um, actually just
2: because, like, they're sideboarding, you know? Like, if in Game 1, they haven't sideboarded yet, so Therapy's a lot better, because it's easier to name cards out of their hand... When they haven't sideboarded and mm. like i said you're also targeting yourself more often in game one so uh, yeah so it's also because they've sideboarded
0: right but, but i feel uh oh sorry no, no no that that's it yeah i feel a uh, major skill of reanimator players is getting the read on your opponent's sideboarding strategies and that's why i think it's such a difficult deck uh, because you really have to know the entire format to know what each deck's typical graveyard hate is in order to play around it. Like, are they using surgical extractions? Are they using Leyline of the voids? Are they using Rest in Peace? Right. I've been seeing Tormod's crypts popping up with uh, the um, what is it, Antiquities War okay. decks that we've been seeing. Yeah. Oh, and also yeah, Phoenix as well. But uh, yeah, I, I you know there's so many graveyard hates uh, cards out there. Um, at least during the deathright shaman days you knew what you were up against you were almost always up against death shaman now it can be literally anything
2: yeah death shaman days i actually f- i i felt i actually thought that reanimator was the best deck in the format by the end of the death shaman format which as i said i thought the gar- the deck was garbage like less than a year before that but uh that aside um yeah when there was death right shaman it was deathright shaman plus surgical so it was a lot easier in the sideboard games now it's like Especially if you go to, like, a paper tournament, you never know what your opponents are going to be doing for the graveyard deck. Some people really hate losing to graveyard decks, so they're playing, like, everything in their sideboard. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it's like two Surgical, two Diggers Cage, two Fairy Macabre. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, where when they're playing, like, Fair... They're playing Snap... They're, like, they're they're, they're playing, like, uh, Miracles or something with Snapcaster Mage, and they've got yeah cage and fairy macabre and surgical and and priest and you're like all right well (laughs) definitely never winning this one
0: lake of the dead grizzle brand you
2: yeah (laughs) that's your that's your one hope sometimes that works but yeah right it's it's a lot harder to guess um in a paper tournament i think than it is online because online like you're facing a lot of the same people and um there, the people online are also like a little bit more on top of the metagame, and they're also they're, so they're they're also able to change their deck more regularly. So it's which which is a little bit counterintuitive to what I'm saying. But if you're facing an elves player in a paper tournament, they might be playing their sideboard from last year, you know, from the last time they played their deck, as opposed to somebody online who's probably playing whoever top, whoever top eight of the challenge with elves last week. that makes sense. Right.
0: Uh, I I can definitely see that because I've done that myself. I'm like, oh, I want to go to FNM tonight, but I don't want to play the same old deck. Oh, here's this deck that I've had sleeved up in the corner of my room for the last six months. Yeah. I'm sure it's fine.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You're like, okay, I've got surgicals on my sideboard. That'll be fine. But, you know, like I said, if the Elvis players last week on Magic Online were playing Leyline, I can sideboard for Leyline game two. Right. And sideboarding in the blind for Leyline with Black Red Reanimator is really... uh, Good way to lose. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, do you just like shuffle up your deck for game two and just present it as is, or do you actually try and you know guess what your opponent uh, is bringing in against you and make make some tweaks that way?
2: Um, if if are you are you asking like if I saw zero cards out of their deck game one or.
0: Well, I mean, just like you saw, it was like a miracles deck. You know, like okay, I mean, they could have everything from you know rest in peace to surgical extractions to uh, you know maybe a grafting Cage. What whatever I mean, here. so no, it I
2: depends mean. on the matchup. If it's miracles, I don't sideboard for any of that stuff ever, even if I saw it in game two. Oh yeah, yeah. Just you just try and beat them. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, I, I because it's just too much. Like if I'm trying to answer their their rest in peace, I'm going to lose their counter spells so i just try and beat the core of their deck as opposed to like the one or two ofs in their sideboard that they may or may not have or even if they do have it then it's still just like one or two cards that i'm just willing to lose to if i can beat the core of their deck
0: so that that's interesting let's talk about that for a second so there are just some decks where even though you may have answers for their sideboard cards you know you're just not gonna bother to try and fight them because i mean yeah i can see it facing down miracles they're better at finding the cards they want than you are by probably tenfold. Um so if you try and find answers for their cards by the time you find an answer for their first graveyard hate they're going to have found a second one by then
2: or they yeah or they're just going to counter counter the spell that answers their graveyard card you know so i mean against right. miracles yeah I, i'm mostly i mean there's a few different game plans you can have against miracles um really depends on what your hand is but generally you're trying to fight miracles with discard and just like uh overwhelming their counter spells Gotcha. And then yeah, you just lose. there are a few cards you just then you just lose to, which is which is fine.
0: Yeah. Are there any other matchups like that where you just you just
2: Well another another yeah. example would be like Death and Taxes. Again, they could have Fairy Macabre Surgical Extraction, but you just generally do not play around those cards and you're looking for a uh a gristlebrand that comes down before their second turn. So you're not you're not looking for an answer to Rest in Peace or Containment Priest or Thalia as opposed and it, rather you're just trying to uh you're trying to get a gristle brand into play before their second turn because that's when all of those cards come down and then again that means that you end up losing to surgical extraction but they're probably only playing two or three of those cards mm, true
0: um so with that i mean are there particular play styles that you'll have i feel like the mulligan decision is is extremely important for this deck because you know, you have to sit there and decide. You know, you, you know that you're not going to be able to answer anything that they play. Um, you know how I feel like this deck will probably mulligan aggressively. Am I wrong there?
2: Um, in game one, you can mulligan very aggressively. You can win off of very, very few cards. Um, I mean, I've I've won game ones off of mulligans to two before on turn two. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> like if I oh, if I see three cards in my hand and None of them are... I mean, if it's just, like, three creatures or something, then you just mold it two, and and you can still win. So, yeah, I I don't stop mulliganing just because I've mulliganed too many times already in Game 1. In Game 2, again, depending on the matchup, I mulligan less aggressively. Uh, If it's death and taxes, I mulligan very aggressively, because, like I said, I'm looking to combo on turn 1 or 2. Against miracles, I mulligan a lot less aggressively, because... I want to make my land drops and have a bunch of cards that they need to counter. Basically, so uh, yeah, depends on the matchup and yeah, and if it's a sideboarded game.
0: Um, nice. So what what's kind of your your favorite matchup as a reanimator player? You know what are you happy to be staring sitting across the table from? You mean
2: like my best matchup, like the one that I'll always win?
0: <laughs> I mean, I feel that depends on the player. There are some people who are just like, yeah, I just crushed this deck, and there are some people who are like, you know, this matchup's 50-50, but I enjoy every second of it.
2: Yeah, well, okay, so I think I think miracles is a really really good matchup, but a lot of people say they can't beat it. So that's a good example of what you're talking about. But the 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 super Super good matchups that, like, I basically never lose are lands and Enchantress. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bravo. Bravo. Yeah. Just pushing pushing the kid who broke his leg down the staircase, yeah. uh, beating up on the Enchantress players.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Enchantress is probably the best matchup. I mean... I think yeah, I've lost to it maybe like, once or twice ever, and that's when they had they had Leyline maybe in the main.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Even with like things like Elephant Grass and stuff, like well, I guess yeah, just, those cards, they, they don't, just don't matter. Yeah, they, I guess they don't just don't do anything for a while. So then you just get a Tide tired and play and bounce whatever you would care about.
2: Yeah, I mean they. Yeah. Uh, you, you, if you get Gristlebrand, then uh, again, yeah, like you said, it answers. You, you find Tide and it answers everything. And also, with Reverend Silence, I mean, <laughs> that's just mean.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. yeah, yeah, We didn't. I forgot to read it off earlier. Reverend Silence for our listeners at home, because it's not something you see every day. Uh, three in a green. If you control a forest, you may have each other player gain six life instead of playing Reverend Silence Manica. So, basically, it's a free spell as long as you control a forest and, you know, you don't really care that much about the life gain on your opponent's side. Destroy all enchantments is what it what it does. (laughs) Ah, that's pretty brutal. Yeah, that'll uh, that'll get some get some get a couple permanents out of the way. Yeah, Uh, I can tell it's played in a specific deck because the recommended cards customers also bought: Cabal Therapies, Chancellor of the Annexes, (laughs) Elish Norns, Grave Titans, and Tide Tyrants.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think it might be the only deck that plays Reverend Silence. It's a really clean answer to Leyline of the Void. Uh, it's just mean against enchanters, but obviously that's not why you're playing it. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think any other deck really plays a Forest and needs to answer Leyland that badly. Right,
0: or just Enchantments in general that badly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty sweet. Good old, ne- man. I wish they would revisit Nemesis and those mechanics because uh, free, free spells are awesome. They are. <laughs> they, this, like, I love, I know it's dangerous lines and they come real close to breaking it, but I feel Nemesis was the closest one to making, like, Good playable free spells. Was Land Grant a nemesis? Uh, I think so. That's a sweet one. <laughs> uh, Days was a nemesis, I believe. All right, Days is a little
2: less sweet because it's like a free counterspell, but yeah, it's it's like a almost fair free counterspell. But Land Grant, oh, yeah. now that's a sweet card because then you have to reveal your whole hand.
0: <laughs> um, let's see when Land Grant was printed. Yep, uh, no Land Grant was. Uh, uh mercadian
2: masks mercadian masks i feel like that's the fairest of uh free
0: spells
2: (laughs) i mean obviously one of the most unfair decks plays it but i mean you have to reveal your whole hand and you have to have no land in your hand
0: (laughs) right (laughs) you have to be like hey look guys i got screwed yeah
2: i'm gonna go find me a land
0: That card was definitely designed off of like a kitchen table rule where like players would play where oh if you didn't if you didn't have any lands you could show everyone your hand. Yeah if you didn't have any lands. Look, I don't have any um, lands. Let
2: me go get a please let me play some.
0: I, magic. I remember when I first learned how to play magic, the shop I played at, the comic stop, um, we would play there and the like house rule of the shop where when we were playing was you could have a gentleman's mulligan where if you draw your hands and it's either all lands or no lands, you can reveal it to your opponent and then draw mulligan to seven.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think we did that, too. Back back in the day. Uh,
0: <laughs> ah, the good old days.
2: Like, this is just not fun. I need to find a hand. that, And also, I think we were doing mana weaving and stuff like that back then, too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why so many people still do it. Old habits yeah. die hard.
2: We also did not know the rules of the game at all,
0: which is funny. <laughs>
2: And you just kind of make up rules based on what you think the card says and things like that, you know? Back back before oh, yeah. like the internet.
0: Well, back before back when I remember when like the duelist was the primary source of information about magic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, so that that one or, friend uh, that I told you about earlier who who never quit playing magic, when I first got back into magic and I played with him once, the first like one of the first times that we sat down and actually played with some paper cards. Um uh-huh. And he actually knew the rules of the game, and I didn't, so pretty much every time we would have like some sort of combat or something going on, he'd be like, well, this is what I'm doing, and I'd be like, what are you talking about? That's cheating. Like, you're basically <laughs> using the, the rules of this game to cheat me. <laughs> I'm not playing with you anymore.
0: <laughs> yep, I remember going back to uh, my old stomping grounds, uh, they had a Legacy a team legacy, two-headed giant legacy tournament. And I brought Tin Fins, and my friends brought Mono Blue Counterspell. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we ended up getting Tin Fins banned from the store, because in the finals, it was like we were playing against a couple of, like, 12-year-olds, and we're just, like, turn one, opening hand, uh, just go off Tin Fins, like, oh, Counterspell, uh, force of will with, th- with, like, triple force of will backup. Don't-, don't even try it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, that was one of the reasons I quit when I was a kid, because... Uh, this one guy would come we we our decks were all like, you know, whatever we opened in packs and then we jammed them into our deck, you know? That that was basically yeah. what our decks looked like. And then this one dude would come come to the to the weekly tournament who he never played with us, just came to the weekly tournament and he came with stasis and none of us could beat him.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was me. That was me. And we're
2: just like, <laughs> God, you know, like this guy just come and win the tournament every week and all of us would be like, never win a single game against Stasis right <laughs> we hear whispers of net decking or what they weren't calling it oh no they were calling it net decking this is like early internet you know it's like he's net decking it's like where do, where do we go to find these net decks like these amazing decks that you can't beat <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then you see the price yeah. and be like okay i guess i guess we can't actually buy the deck
0: <laughs> right I remember, um, yeah, when I first started playing, I was playing Reanimator, but I couldn't afford Entombs, so I used Dark Ritual for Buried Alive. (laughs) That's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my
2: deck back then was playing, um, one or two Bears of Paradise that I opened in a pack to try and help me cast Avatar of Woe. (laughs)
0: Excellent. Good choice. Good choice. Um, I had a similar friend as as you as that. I remember when I came back, um... I, like, picked up my deck that I had before, which was, like, Onslaught Block uh, Stifle Knot. Like, Stifle had just been printed. Yeah. So before I quit the game, I put together Stifle Dreadnought, and I still had it sleeved up. And I play against my friend, and he just goes, like, turn to Stoneforge Mystic. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Oh, what are these equipments? Oh, that's that's nice. And he goes, okay, untap uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor. <laughs> like, wh- what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> who-, who-, who did this? <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. That was when I first got back into Magic. Was when that deck came out. They had just banned Jace in Standard, so that was pretty nice because then I could afford um, the Coblade deck and actually, you know, win a few games of Standard without buying four hundred dollars right. worth of Jaces. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, other than Reanimator, what else have you been playing lately? Um,
2: recently I've been I've been kind of dabbling in some other formats. I've been playing a bit of Limited. I kind of like this new set. It's pretty good. And uh, in Legacy, I've been playing the Phoenix deck, which I think is really good. The uh, Arclight Phoenix deck, where you play Buried Alive, so it's kind of, you know, another reanimator style.
0: That interaction felt awesome. I played the Monastery Mentor version. Mm -hmm. I did not like that at all, but I haven't had a chance to try the Grixis version, which... Yeah, I also
2: didn't really much care for the Mentor version. I don't like Lotus Petal um, in this deck, really. I like the Grixis version a lot I think it's really strong um, So yeah, I've been playing that And in the last few days I've been playing a little bit of UR Delver With uh, uh, Light Up the, the Stage That card is pretty sweet
0: oh, I, I just got my FNM promo Light Up the Stage last oh, wow. night actually
2: That's a good one I think that yeah. card is really good
0: yeah i think it's it's really good as well um i haven't had a chance to play around with it but it looks very good i remember talking about it on the when it first got spoiled on leaving a legacy and pat poo-pooed on me for it but <laughs> i guess we'll see who gets uh proven wrong
2: <laughs> i think it's good i mean it basically in the right decks is draw two cards so
0: yeah which is a very important uh, ability to have in red um yeah. Like that, that could be very powerful.
2: If burn was any good at all, I would say it's going to be really good in burn. But I don't think it actually makes burn any uh, any better. I mean, I'm, maybe it makes burn a little bit better, but not 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 good enough.
0: Yeah, not crazy good. Um, I actually got to play old school for the first time last night. Oh yeah, a
2: blast! How was that? Yeah, uh,
0: it. I can see why that format is super popular. I really can because yeah? it like playing that style of magic and just knowing that oh we're only playing with these early cards like there's nothing great like like i didn't even play back then and i was having nostalgia <laughs> like i i didn't play in 93 94 i like i had seen these cards before and i've like gone through bulk bins and find them found them in bulk bins for years but i had never like existed in it and it, it did just feel really good the format was a lot of fun it felt like a super dialed down like limited format almost and just the cards are beautiful like they just look so so good
2: yeah i do like the way the old cards look
0: um yeah i was playing a black uh black white tokens deck and i like drew drew my opening hand so my friend ian from the dead format he uh he had two decks with him so he let me play the the black white one so, and my opening hand was like yeah go ahead
2: n- no no finish and then i'll I'll, I'll interrupt at that point
0: <laughs> okay good <laughs> <laughs> so my opening hand was uh uh caracas mox pearl mox jet preacher <laughs> so i'm just like i play it all out and he just like like the eye his eyeballs bulge out of his head he's like are you kidding me
2: is that a really good hand i don't even know. yeah
0: i'm like i'm like uh, oh just like oh is that really good he's like yeah that's like insane in old school <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like that's the that's the equivalent of like getting a uh, like an Emercool on turn one <laughs> Oh wow, jeez <laughs>
2: I guess I do not know no. that format, but so yeah, I was gonna say in ninety back then. So I I have a question, and then I have a bit of a story about uh, about the question. Uh, didn't they used to like allow you to play with all the black lotuses and things you wanted, or is there like a ban list in this format?
0: <laughs> um yeah, so I, they have uh like it's still like four card rule. But I mean that was way back in the day. Like in the first days of Magic, there was no. Uh, restriction, yeah. Um, and Ian was actually telling me. I guess that's a subgenre of old school. Is Where there's um, no I forget what Yeah, I forget what he called it, but it's like 40, 40 card singleton or something like that. I don't know what it was, but um, basically, you you were you could play with the old school because also um, what it was was the decks only had to be forty cards. They didn't have to be sixty. Yeah, cards. yeah. See, I so my story
2: is when I when I had first gotten to Korea, the 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 first play group that I I had met, played on the um, on the military base in Seoul, uh, mm-hmm. so I'd go, you know, once a week or so, uh, not more than once a week, but m- most weeks I would go onto the military base and play F there. And one time I was playing against this guy who was a bit older, an older guy, uh, and I was still kind of newly getting back into Magic. Anyway, so he and he was telling me while we were playing, he's like, you know, back in my day, you know, we used to we used to play with with uh you know 14 black lotuses in our deck and I was just like oh man this old guy doesn't know what he's talking about <laughs> cuz i didn't know that you know and then like later somebody goes do you know who that guy was that that's uh that's peter adkinson's dad that's gary adkinson <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep that was a that was a deck i mean that was the original channel fireball where that combo came from is people just ran a deck of like 20 black lotus 20 channel 20 fireball yeah and
2: the and the old guy that i was rolling my eyes at is the is the creator or the the original ceo's dad
0: <laughs> exactly <laughs> that that's how it was back in the day yeah <laughs> Um so yeah, yeah, crazy stuff. Uh we actually uh did an episode on the history of uh reanimator because reanimator is one of those interesting f- types of deck that has really been around since the beginning of Magic. Yeah. Um it it's had so many different iterations over the years. Uh it's 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 seen a lot of faces and it's been banned out of existence only to come back completely changed and different and cards get printed that drastically change its playstyle. Like I remember when Grizzlebrand got printed, and it was a huge deal. Yeah, uh, being able to go from like Jinketaxis to Grizzlebrand. Oh yeah, I mean,
2: Grizzlebrand is a very broken card. Even Jinketaxis is pretty broken, but I mean, Grizzlebrand's just out of this world. But like, yeah, you look at the card Reanimate, and then you look at the cards that were printed around around it. The card is almost unplayable. I mean, creatures were just not good, and even and overcrossed creatures were like you're going to take eight damage to, to play a five five or something like that
0: <laughs> well i mean the first reanimator deck uh the machine it was more of a tinfin style deck than a blue black or black red reanimator deck because it, it um reanimated like triskelions and stuff like that to uh like ping their opponent to death like it was a reanimator deck but it was very much like a combo-y yeah like, engine reanimator deck, but it had to get
2: just, the combo like, get... it had to it had to like it, it didn't have grizzlebrand to help it get there yes
0: <laughs> it didn't it didn't
2: <laughs> it had to draw the cards like match natu- like more naturally
0: <laughs> right um i feel if grizzlebrand was banned or grizzlebrand had never been printed i don't think reanimator would be a deck anymore without grizzlebrand i i just feel it's so important to that deck's existence just because we've gotten so many great uh, graveyard ha- hate spells over the years. Like there is unbelievable amounts of graveyard hate in every color or colorless, and like anything you could want. Yeah. Um, so without Grizzlebrand, I just don't think the deck can survive.
2: Well, I think yeah, I think if if the game plan of Reanimator was as I mentioned as it used to be, which is which which of these creatures in my deck is good against them? Yeah, I don't think the deck would be very good. But do you, so do yeah. you think that without Grizzlebrand, Show and Tell would be a deck? I, I I would imagine maybe Omnitel would would. Still be playable?
0: Um, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, Grizzlebrand—it it would be super. I I would definitely drop Sneak and Show down to tier two uh, without Grizzlebrand. Um, I would. I still think you could see it show up, but it would definitely be a shadow of its former self. Sneak and Show could go back to using like progenitus Emercool, which is what it did before Grizzlebrand was printed. Um, and that was all right. It's just like you still have the chance, like oh, I sneak attack into progenitus and then I don't draw <laughs> another creature for the rest of the game. I'd need to draw that two progenituses because then I could deal <laughs> twenty damage. And I also don't have a way to draw fourteen cards anymore to make sure I find those two progenitus Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think like Omnitel could still exist. Omnitel would probably go back to being the preeminent uh, show intel deck, like the mono blue one that just like really focuses on getting omniscience in play and then. Yeah. You know, cunning wish for the win. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it would be a big. I do think it would. I think it would probably kill Reanimator. Like, I think Reanimator would be that deck that like people play as for jokes, for laughs at an FNM.
2: Yeah. I just. I mean. I guess the replacement is Jenga Taxus, but I. Yeah. I don't think. I mean. I guess maybe blue. You uh, blue blue black Reanimator with Jinngetaxis would would be almost as good as blue black Reanimator is without it, <laughs> which is. <laughs> which i mean the deck is fine and i think blue black reanimator with jinga Taxus would also be fine uh, you could also play like the world world gorger thing you know with jinga tag but you're oh, like yeah. waiting a turn to do anything and yeah it just wouldn't be anywhere near as good as it is but i th- i think it would be playable i think blue or black red reanimator would be basically unplayable
0: yeah yeah i think that's rare to say
2: yeah so i don't i don't think that they would ban crystal brand even though i mean it is like super busted um i think if black red reanimator became a problem i think if show and tell and reanimator became like a serious problem for the format they would they'd need to ban crystal brand but i think if it was just black red reanimator like uh i i guess chancellor of the annex would be the card that they would ban
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Thankfully, I don't. I haven't heard anyone calling for Grizzlebrand to be banned other than people who have recently lost Reanimator. It's I think a so. lot of people who <laughs> play things like Nick Fit and Enchantress, <laughs>
2: they might want Grizzlebrand to be banned.
0: Yeah, I mean, they tend to be also be the same people who want Brainstorms to be banned, so... Yeah, and Fetchlands. <laughs> right. Force <laughs> of Will. I think... Ba- I think banning fetchlands would be interesting, as it would shake Legacy up. But I don't necessarily think it would be good for Legacy.
2: Yeah, I mean, I know, I know. When I play paper, I really hate the fetch. I hate shuffling. But I think that they make the games a lot more interesting than if they weren't around. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, like cards like Brainstorm and Ponder, and I mean these cards, they really use fetchlands to make Legacy like. Uh, less variance-driven, which I think makes the games more interesting. Right, right.
0: Um, do you feel Combo kind of gets this unfair reputation for not being uh, very interactive? Do you feel that reanimated players tend to get more than their fair share of uh, salt from their opponents?
2: Um,
0: I mean, uh,
2: I think... I, I, I don't know if it's salt. I think it's just, like, losing to Chancellor... Dark Ritual Doom <laughs> Exhum feels really bad for anybody.
0: Yeah, you kind of get that feeling of why did I bother taking my deck out of its deck box, <laughs> right?
2: And if you go to especially like online, it's like all right, you know, you're you're facing Reanimator, the match is over, and in a few minutes, so it's over you move on to the next match in a paper tournament you know you, you maybe you traveled <laughs> you know you're all right. excited you got this event and you sit down and your opponent reveals a chancellor and then kills you in 30 seconds that's a good way to ruin your weekend you know right
0: nothing like waking up at 6 a.m to make it to the event site on time yeah uh you know sit down in the chair and then turn turn one of game one of the tournament and you just get grizzle brand on turn yeah. one
2: and then, and then you're both signing a match slip and standing up while people are still shuffling for game <laughs> one. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if it gets more than its fair share of salt, but it definitely, I mean, when I'm not playing Black Red Re- animator, or even when I am, I really, I mean, I don't like playing against the deck either. I think it's a miserable deck to play against. <laughs>
0: does not recommend yeah um i've also i've had my fair share of times where i've like played a league and i played like four of my five matches are against black red reanimator i'm like come on what the fuck guys (laughs) yeah i hear that you know i don't face it that often personally like i really
2: don't i hear that i uh, all the time from other people that they're facing it every league or twice a league and i'm like i i think i'm facing reanimator once every three or four leagues
0: um, for me it's storm players I'll routinely do leagues where I, like two or three of my matches are against storm and I feel that's just because I'm in the same time zone as yeah all the you New must York be playing people. against
2: those, like, those same three storm players but for
0: me I'm facing like I, and it might
2: again it must be the time zone because sometimes well I have I have weird leagues like where I'll face uh, Eldrazi four times or five times in a row and then the next week I'll face Miracles four or five times in a row I feel like all of my matchups come in, like, you know, match sets of, like, four in a row. Three or four, five sometimes.
0: Yeah. And sometimes it's really Um, wild
2: stuff, too. Like, I'll face some new bug deck with something crazy in it, like Terramander. (laughs) And then I'll face it three times in a row, three different people. I'm like, are these guys all, like... You know, they're getting on at the same time <laughs> with their same deck. it's like, are they all friends or something? How did this, how does this happen?
0: <laughs> right, right. Um, do you still play much like Paper Magic? Or are you almost exclusively online these days?
2: Uh, in Thailand, I have not played a single paper tournament. Um, when I'm not in Thailand, I like to go every once in a while. Um, I played, I, I went to China to play in a tournament paper tournament there i I like to travel like once a year to something
1: oh whatever happens to match
2: uh, up with my schedule so maybe an mkm or something like that
0: was that like james and wilson and julian for that uh beijing tournament it was yeah yeah yeah, that, that looked like a ton of fun. Um, yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> I, I believe I saw a video of like you and Julian playing magic online on a computer in a bar and yeah. they were, like trying to yeah. <laughs> trying to close up and it's just like, no, we're good guys. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about
2: Black Red Reanimator and then I had my computer with me and I was like, should we should we play a, a match? And he was like, Let me film it. So that's where that that's how that happened.
0: <laughs> that's cool. Uh there should be more uh kind of uh journalism in the streets magic reporting (laughs) yeah
2: yeah people seem to like that that was pretty
0: cool um so do you ever make it out to like the gps or anything like that are you planning on traveling to any legacy gps
2: uh you know they just they never seem to really work out with my schedule um because i'm a i'm a teacher so uh pretty much have to wait until my breaks but yeah so i haven't made it to a legacy gp in a while years i went to to GP Vegas. Uh, And I felt really good about my deck when I went to GP Vegas. I had been winning online a lot, uh, but it was towards the end of my deck winning a lot, like right after that GP. That GP was like the end of Bant Deathblade basically, because this is when Grixis Control came out, and that deck just crushed Bant Deathblade. Uh, And that's what I ended up facing a bunch in the the trial, so I never even managed to get the two buys. And then instead of Sleeping the night before the GP, I didn't sleep because we were in Vegas. Whoops. <laughs> and so that GP didn't go very well for me. Um, but uh, No, I'm
0: shocked. Yeah. I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, I, I two dropped. <laughs> I needed to go to sleep. Um, yeah. But I had a good time. I played some side events and stuff. Uh, yeah, but that was the last GP I've been to. Nice. Years well,
0: ago. I mean, when you... When you do play paper, are you also playing Reanimator or are you playing something completely different?
2: Um it depends on the event. I, like I, I don't make it to that many paper events, but like let's say if I went to an MKM or something, I'm I'm almost certainly playing Reanimator. I'll play whatever I think I'm most likely to win with. Uh, if I were to go to a GP tomorrow, I would have to think seriously about playing the Phoenix deck. It might be better positioned right now than Reanimator. I'm not sure. Although, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to do some some more testing online, you know? Rather than just kind of jamming leagues without really thinking about it much.
0: Do you ever think much about kind of the differences between the Magic Online meta and the Paper meta, or are you just kind of sleeving up the exact same deck for both?
2: Uh, definitely we'll be put, would be putting some thought into that. I think my Reanimator sideboard would be a little bit different. I would be a little less heavy on answers to to Leyline and a little bit more on, like, general answers like i might play like a pithing needle or something in my sideboard rather than six answers to to ley line of the void mm. because i'm going to like i said in a paper tournament my i'm going to be less likely to be able to guess when my opponents are playing leyline line and less likely to be able to guess what kind of answers they have in their hand but they i also think in a paper tournament they're less likely to have answers in their hand and more likely to think that they might be able to just draw them later
0: <laughs> true true um so one thing I noticed when I, when it was printed, I loved it, and I feel it was more relevant when Deathrite Shaman was still a thing, but uh, Collected Brutality. Whatever happened to that?
2: Uh, I think that card is not good in Reanimator, and I did think that maybe when they got rid of Deathright. So when Deathrite Shaman was around, people thought, hey, this is a good answer to Deathright Shaman, um, so we should play it in Reanimator. It lets you pitch a card, it can duress, right. and it can kill a Deathrite Shaman. The problem with that card was that it didn't actually play around Deathrite Shaman because uh, they could just eat your creature yeah. in response. So you're not discarding something if they have an active Deathrite Shaman. You're just using two mana to kill a Deathrite Shaman. Similarly, uh, well, it's two mana. It's a lot for you to answer a Deathrite Shaman. Um, and then similarly, I did try it when they banned Deathrite Shaman thinking, well, that, that problem is now gone. So let's try it out again. And what happens is you discard your card and it gets surgicaled.
1: <laughs> so it's not, I don't think
2: you want to be just getting this free discard effect before you've seen their hand, basically. I think you need to see their hand, see what kind of answers they have, see how your game plan is going to uh, progress based on the information rather than putting the creature into the graveyard. Then seeing their hand. For especially for a two-mana duress like that. Like it's I don't know. I just the card doesn't it's just not very good mm. in
0: Reanimator. It hasn't So you're saying I should dump all these foil collected brutality. No, I, I think have. it's
2: a pretty good card <laughs> in general.
0: What about the uh Grixis Phoenix list? Do you think that could want it?
2: The um, same problems
0: where you discard a Phoenix and then like it gets sh- surgicaled?
2: No no I don't think that that, that 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 would be as much of a problem for the Phoenix deck because you don't care as much about surgical, and you have a lot more. I, I, I think two mana is too much, even in the Phoenix deck. Though I mean, you're playing eight one mana discard spells, um, and you're trying. It might be good. I don't know. I, I don't know what you're trying to kill with it, though. So then you're paying yeah, two mana true. duress, and you're often not discarding a card. So I think that's probably the problem with it.
0: Feels like it. it- just you know, no. Even though all these modes seem powerful, and they seem powerful in conjuncture with each other, there's not really a time when you want to actually be doing them. Yeah,
2: I think it's something like mono, like in a budget mono black reanimator deck, that that you need, you need that card because right. you don't have looting. you don't have
0: access to right, right. Awesome. Well, uh, any uh, decks that you've been itching to try out?
2: Decks I've been itching to try out. I, you know, I've, I've uh recently been trying out some new decks that i are not new decks but decks I'd never played before and putting the videos of me playing them for the very first time on my on my youtube channel so uh I've played like lands and and elves and stuff having never played them before uh <laughs> there's some there's there's some more decks that I've never played that I might might make, make might make videos of me playing goblins
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> might man, try out goblins look- I lost to goblins at the last Star City Open. It's what knocked. Well, it wasn't what knocked me out. It was the nail in the coffin, more like it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, goblins seems super fun, and it's. I've been seeing it a lot lately. I think I goblins is pretty well being,
2: positioned right now. I mean, it has some very yeah. polarizing matchups, but I actually think it's pretty good.
0: Yeah, I think it's coming back, uh, back in the style, and I almost feel it's like meme value is hurting it. Like we would see more of it if people would uh, actually give it a chance.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it has some really good matchups and it, and it has a lot of play to it and it has a lot of options and it has a lot of, it does a lot of stuff and it's pretty good, but it's pretty weak against some some game plans as true, well. True, But yeah, no, um, I, I don't know. There's nothing, nothing that I've been, I'm always trying to think of something new to play or try out new things and brewing a little bit but i haven't really thought of anything or been itching to try anything recently
0: yeah i'm in the mode where i need to start picking a deck for uh star city syracuse and i've been kind of casting my net out trying to figure out what i want to play because i don't think i want to play sneak and show i think sneak and show is actually pretty poorly positioned in the meta right now yeah um but you know i was thinking about doing Agro loam i was thinking about trying out this new phoenix deck but i kind of almost just want to play a meme deck just for the for the fun of it like goblins I might, I'm thinking about it. If you want to win I though, are-
2: I would say play a chalice deck. I think chalice decks are the best right now. I think they're I think they are not that hard to play and they're really well positioned and yeah, and they're pretty they're just good. Like Moon or Eldrazi, basically. I actually think probably maybe Moon might be better than Eldrazi right now. I could be yeah. completely wrong, but that's just my 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 feeling about the format
0: at the moment. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Awesome. Well, anything else you wanted to kind of touch on before we start wrapping it up tonight? Or this morning for you?
2: <laughs> no, no, I, I think that, that that covers everything I could possibly say about Reanimator, <laughs> at least within an hour.
0: <laughs> um, if people want to get a hold of you, how uh, how can they find you? Are you, you, you um, mentioning your YouTube channel? What's that?
2: I have a Twitter, which is EWLandon1. <laughs> and
0: then my my my
2: youtube is i'm not really how are you supposed to find youtube channels I, I could i let's see it's eric landon i think if you search let me see what happens if i search eric landon youtube eric landon youtube there's an actual like
0: it just comes up and there's like a hidden camera in your room no there's there's some scenes. there's a
2: famous um ceramicist to name eric landon so that's and that's what you usually get when you type my name in.
0: <laughs> a ceramicist what is a ceramicist uh,
2: a guy that does like pottery
0: oh okay
2: <laughs> let's see E-du- okay if you type in ew landon youtube you'll find some some videos which will uh, which will help direct you yeah if you type in ew landon youtube you'll be able to find my youtube
0: other than that just keep entering uh mtgo leagues until you get paired against him and you can start a chat
2: yeah <laughs> I often don't respond to chat though I have the my I don't know I have the the chat hidden behind the screen so I don't see it that often until somebody casts ponder or something. So I don't chat that often. But that's why I've ignored you by the way if if you, if you message me <laughs> while we're playing I just, and I ignore you it's either because you've salted at me or <laughs> because I have the thing hidden behind the screen and I didn't
0: see it. I I just figured you didn't like me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes you in particular that's why i ignore you every time we play oh. i don't think we've ever played um, each other
0: no i don't think so either i mean we are on completely opposite uh time zones like i'm usually playing well, I'm, um yeah. like during the week at like nine o'clock my time so like nine a.m your time on like a wednesday yeah. so and I'm,
2: either, <laughs> I'm going to work at that time
0: yeah i don't i don't think we've ever played um I do actually have an announcement for our listeners before we go the next leaving a legacy event uh we got a date get ready April 6th April 6th 2019 leaving a legacy open number three um date has been set and uh keep your ears peeled because we are going to be uh, announcing you know all the extra sweet stuff we do like card giveaways and uh get some more bounty uh bounties on people's heads. I uh, get some sweet stuff for you guys, so uh, keep your ears out, but April 6th, mark it on your calendar for the Leaving Legacy Open. Uh, scoops and Poops, Eric, you got, do you, you, you know uh, Scoops and Poops? Anyone you want to uh, scoop in into Top 8 or, uh, or poop on, just doesn't really, really annoy you this week?
2: Uh, thanks to, to White Faces for, for donating, or not donating, for loaning me uh- uh, decks for that, for those videos that I did when I was playing decks I've never played before.
0: All right, so yeah, White Faces, uh, what about any poops, any poops this week?
2: Uh, what, I don't really know what that means.
0: Um, <laughs> anything, anything that really annoyed you this week?
2: No, it's it's been a pretty good week.
0: <laughs> it's, been, it's been a good week. All yeah. right, good. <laughs> uh, Actually, no, I presented. got it. I got it. There's
2: that. There's the black white enchantment in limited. That card's unbeatable, and it and it made it so I couldn't win the PPTQ because I faced it <laughs> two times in a row after being three zero. I poop on that card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The one that gives all your creatures plus one, plus one, and all your opponent's card. Yeah, that one, card is ridiculous. Uh, that's, people are talking about that being legacy playable in Nick Fit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're talking. Yeah,
2: okay. Everything's legacy all playable right. in Nick Fit. Maybe you should try it in the sideboard of Sneak and Show.
0: Yeah, I can I can show and tell it into play. And, yeah. You know, just get all their tokens. Yeah. <laughs> and then my Grizzle brand will attack for eight. Yeah. <laughs> um awesome uh scoops this week Well, wanted to scoop you on eric i'm glad we got this uh finally in the books we've been talking about it for a while so i'm glad we (laughs) got the time the time to work yeah Yeah, me too uh and poops i'm gonna poop on taxes uh stupid taxes and magic i got a a tax form specifically for magic cards first time in my life that's ever happened so i'm gonna i'm gonna be I'm pooping on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think me and Pat need to find an a an actual accountant because of uh with the with the podcast. I think we're gonna be getting like some a pretty serious tax bill oh just goodness. from like the the charity drives we ran. Apparently PayPal Decided that all those charity collections that we collected were taxable income. Oh my goodness! And then with that the sucks. new tax law, with the new tax law, we can't make the we can't write the donation off just because it like falls in like unless you donate twelve thousand dollars, it's like less than the standard. I you know it's I don't want to bore people with the taxes, but basically, kind of screwed screwed us a little bit. So we're gonna figure that out for uh, next year. So for when we do the next round of charity drives, we can make it more sustainable. But pooping on Uncle Sam and taxes, screw the IRS. Yeah, jeez. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at you, Tom Hep. <laughs> you
2: donated too but, much.
0: No, he works for the IRS. Oh,
2: okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he's also a mod moderator for leaving a legacy, so maybe he reported us. So I'm still still Probably. trying to get to the bottom of that. <laughs> jeez. You should unmod That's- him. <laughs> 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 That's just a joke, Tom. Just a joke. Yeah. <laughs> or is it <laughs> Uh but yeah. Thanks for uh coming on and uh we'll see everyone again next week.
2: And thanks for having me. the
0: a
1: Beep, <laughs>